Hello, this is Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa DeLay, and today I'm going to bring you Soul School 205, The Courage to Despair. That sounds like a really unusual title, and it certainly is. I made a promise that I would be reading from Tillich, The Courage to Be. I'm revisiting that today. This little portion in the book comes from 139, Existentialism Today and the Courage of Despair. And I just want to recall to your mind that this was actually written in 1952, the middle of the last century. And so take that into consideration as you hear these words. He is writing from approximately 70 years ago. A lot was different then. It was the height of the Cold War with communism, with Russia. But what he reflects on in many ways is extremely timeless and I think is pertinent to our times in terms of understanding ourselves better as humans. In the section following this is possibly an even more interesting section, and it's called The Courage of Despair in Contemporary Art and Literature. And what he's speaking to is modern art, mid-20th century modern art. Even more fascinating to understand his writings in light of what we know now, that the CIA and the United States government funded many modern art programs and backed them as a way of resisting communism. And what was reviled as nonsense and messiness and chaos in modern art was actually a kind of funded propaganda against the art coming out of Russia and communism. Stay tuned for that one in a future Soul School episode. Now let's read what Tillich has to say about existentialism. And he is speaking as a man to his time. Existentialism, as it appeared in the 20th century, represents the most vivid and threatening meaning of existential. In it, the whole development comes to a point beyond which it cannot go. It has become a reality in all the countries of the Western world. It is expressed in all the realms of humans' spiritual creativity. It penetrates all educated classes. It is not the invention of a bohemian philosopher or of a neurotic novelist. It is not a sensational exaggeration made for the sake of profit and fame. It is not a morbid play with negativities. Elements of all these have entered it, but it itself is something else. It is the expression of the anxiety of meaninglessness and of the attempt to take this anxiety into the courage to be as oneself. Recent existentialism must be considered from these two points of view. It is not simply individualism of the rationalistic or romantic or naturalistic type. In distinction to these three preparatory movements, it is experienced as the universal breakdown of meaning. 20th century humans have lost a meaningful world and a self which lives in meanings out of a spiritual center. The human-created world of objects has drawn into itself those who created it and who now lose themselves in subjectivity in it. People have sacrificed themselves to their own productions. But humans still, but those people are still aware 
of what they have lost or are continually losing. People are still human enough to experience this dehumanization as despair. They do not know a way out, but they try to save their humanity by expressing the situation as without a, quote, exit, unquote. They react with the courage of despair, the courage to take the despair upon themselves and to resist the radical threat of non-being by the courage to be as oneself. Every analyst of present-day existentialist philosophy, art, and literature can show their ambiguous structure. The meaninglessness which drives to despair, a passionate denunciation of the situation, and the successful or unsuccessful attempt to take this anxiety of meaninglessness into the courage to be as oneself. It is not astonishing that those who are unshaken in their courage to be as a part either in its collectivist or its conformist form, are disturbed by the expressions of the existentialist courage of despair. They are unable to understand what is happening in our period. They are unable to distinguish the genuine from the neurotic anxiety in existentialism. They attack as morbid longing for negativity what in reality is courageous acceptance of the negative what they call decay, what is actually the creative expression of decay, what they reject as meaninglessness, the meaningful attempt to reveal the meaninglessness of our situation. It is not the ordinary difficulty of understanding those who break new ways in thinking, an artistic expression which produces the widespread resistance to recent existentialism but the desire to protect a self-limiting courage to be as a part. Somehow one feels that this is not a true safety. One has to suppress inclinations to accept the existentialist visions. One even enjoys them if they appear in the theater or in novels, but one refuses to take them seriously. That is, as revelations of one's own existential meaninglessness and hidden despair. The violent reactions against modern art in collectivist, Nazi and communist, as well as conformist, American democratic groups show that they feel seriously threatened by it. But one does not feel spiritually threatened by something which is not an element of oneself. And since it is a symptom of the neurotic character to resist non-being by reducing being, the existentialist could reply to the frequent reproach that they are neurotic by showing the neurotic defense mechanisms of the anti-existentialist desire for traditional safety. There should be no question of what Christian theology has to do in this situation. It should decide for truth against safety, even if the safety is consecrated and supported by the churches. Certainly there is a Christian conformism from the beginning of the church on, and there is a Christian collectivism, or at least semi-collectivism, in several periods of church history. But this should not induce Christian theologians to identify Christian courage with the courage to be as a part. They should realize that the courage to be as oneself is the necessary corrective to the courage to be as a part even if they rightly assume that neither of these forms of courage to be gives the final solution. 
I hope you could follow along with that. It might take a few listens to kind of get to the meat of all that. It's written in a heady way of someone from in the middle of the previous century. What is interesting to me is how he points out that artistic expressions that reveal despair and meaninglessness are not despair and meaninglessness themselves. And I think this is kind of interesting. We tend to come down on people who perhaps express things that we don't particularly enjoy or like or want to have in the forefront of our minds. I think of the really easy scapegoats of the emo teenager. The emo-looking teenager will perhaps dye their hair black and their fingernails, maybe wear black lipstick and all black clothing and their hair over their face. And they are easily among the ridiculed as being so dramatic and so sad. And what's interesting about this group is that it is an expression of despair and meaningless that they are rejecting by expressing it. And it isn't really an embrace of it as it is an acknowledgement of it. And I think that is really the role of artists and people who are sensitive to reality, that those of us who can sense reality as it is, make it more visible to others who can't see it yet, make the unseen seen to others who might not see it yet. There is things to despair of, and there is meaninglessness to aspects of life for which we cannot overcome. Our lives come to the grave. There are things that seem hopeless. There is oppression in the world, and righteous people suffer when the wicked should suffer. And this is the reality of life. And I think we should do all we can to stand against it, to fight against it, but at the same time realize that we are pushing a boulder up a hill, and there are other people on the other side pushing the boulder down against us. When we acknowledge this in truthful ways, we can express this sometimes in ways that people assume mean we are despairing or that we are morbid. But someone needs to express the ineffable, the unexpressible, the things that we turn away from. Someone needs to say, this doesn't make sense and let's acknowledge it. Someone needs to point out when things are cruel and say, this is evil, we cannot stand for evil. Tillich tells us that the church should decide for truth against safety, even if the safety is consecrated and supported by the churches, because the truth sets us free. Dishonesty and cover-ups don't set us free, and freedom in a very ultimate way, not freedom in a short-term way, but freedom to see clearly, freedom to be liberated on all levels. This is the kind of portion of a book that gets me thinking so many thoughts and writing down so many notes and sometimes even some poetry about it because it incites so much from deep places within me. Perhaps it does for you. If you'd like to share your reflections or thoughts, I'm really happy to hear them. You can go to patreon.com sparkmymuse and there will be a section open to share your thoughts and reflections as part of the bonus material for this episode. I also invite you to chip in so this show can continue, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, a hundred dollars, whatever you're able to afford. You can also contact me on Twitter at Lisa Delay or at Spark My Muse, and we can dialogue about some of the things in Tillich's book, The Courage to Be. 
I thank you for listening to this short episode, and I invite you to come back next Wednesday for another episode. In the meantime, go to sparkmymuse.com and check out some of the earliest episodes from 2015 onward. There are over 400, both guest episodes and solo episodes that I know you'll enjoy. May you find blessing and peace. <laughs>